Welcome to Iron Sharpens Iron, a program by Catholic men for Catholic men. And we're so glad you all are with us today. My name's Matt Palmer. Uh, I'm with Catholic Men's Ministry here in the Diocese of Columbus, Ohio. Um, I'm joined by my co-host, Devin Shad, Fathers of St. Joseph. And of course, we're so thankful to the team here at St. Gabriel Radio, 820 AM. Dave Orsborn uh, is our manager exemplary and uh, our guy that's helping us today with this. So Dave, thank you so much. Devin, thank you so much. Welcome, Devin. How are you, brother? Yeah. Doing great. Thanks for having me on. Uh, we, I love co-hosting this with you. And our guest today is uh, just an amazing brother in Christ, um, Greg Schleter. We're going to hear from Greg in just a minute. But Devin, would you just open us in prayer, please, brother? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father, we praise you, and we adore you because of not what you do so much, because, but because of who you are. You were just selfless. You were you do you do not hoard your glory. You share it with us. You want us to be like you. You want us to become one with you. And we see this in Greg, who we're interviewing today. And I just pray, Lord, that you would bless the men who listen, so they can hear of his life and his example and learn to follow uh, in his steps. So, Lord, just be with us. Fill us with your Spirit, and through Blessed Mother Mary and you and Saint Joseph. Anoint this conversation that we may learn to become the men, the husbands, and the fathers that were called and destined to be. We ask this in Jesus' most holy name. Amen. Amen. In the name Amen. of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Wonderful, Devin. Thanks, brother. Well, Greg, good morning. Thanks so much for inviting me. We are good morning to you. We're thrilled to have you uh, on the program. We've been wanting to do this. Uh, we're excited for our listeners to get to know you a little bit. And so let's 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 start <laughs> let's start there. Maybe just start with your current family life, uh, and then we'll go back and and kind of get into your journey with Christ over the years, your journey of salvation and faith in Christ. But tell us a little bit about you right now and your beautiful bride and the kids and just and mm -hmm. what you do. Thank you so much to be with you all, men whom I've admired and known over the last uh, couple years and just seeing the great work you're doing and building the kingdom. To your question, blessed to be married to Stephanie, a little over 25 years, blessed with seven children. I want to acknowledge one who is interceding for us on high and encourage all who have had miscarriages to recognize that that is an eternal soul. So I do acknowledge our little Therese. So the six living are Anne-Marie, married to Colin Stroud, 24, beautiful grandchild. Child Magdalena, all the way down to Dominic. So six kids in seven years. Dominic, age seventeen, and you know they're all they're all difference makers for the kingdom. They all love Christ. Um, they all have a owned personal intentional faith in Him, and uh, obviously that journey we as parents know will will be uh, with them until the day we die, and they with us uh, pursuing it. So we know that that continues um, and deepens and enriches us. We are running a full time marriage. And family revival movement, you might say, to form disciples for the kingdom to really help marriages and families recognize we're iconic of the Trinity. And folks could find out more at the very simple declaration, which also doubles as a website, I love my family.us. And I, I'll tell you a little more about that later, but that's our full-time endeavor. And uh, I would say it's essentially uh, a mission of helping marriages and families discover how their homes are meant to be that kind of place, surpassing every other God has appointed it 
and anointed it to be an occasion of deeply, truly, fully encountering him, not just to, to fill, but to overflow, to impact this world for Christ. I love that. And uh, Devin, I know you and Greg are buddies. Um, you know, when you hear uh, that, that mission and that ministry and the passion behind it, and you think about our culture, uh, it, must, it must give you joy in your work with men to know of these kinds, this, this particular ministry and these kinds of ministries that have been raised up at such a time as this to really, um, to really help um, combat what's going on in the culture and to build up strong Christian Catholic families, right? Oh, absolutely. I just have to laugh, though, because what was that, like a minute? And we, we could probably take <laughs> each side for the next, you know, 10 or 15 minutes. It's <laughs> amazing. But yeah, I, I love the fact that this is a guy that lives it and he preaches it. You know, our Lord warns against those, you know, he, he says, do what they say, but not what they do. Well, Greg's one of those. You can, you can do what he says because he does what he says. He's a man who lives what he preaches. And, and that's what you see in his family and in his marriage and his beautiful wife, Beth, and their ministry together. So, yeah, awesome. awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, great. Well, Greg, um, you know, I think, um, again, I think men out there would love to hear a little bit more about, about your own journey with Christ and mm. looking back, um, you know, how you were raised and, uh, those moments of conversion that might be helpful for, uh, for men that are listening to kind of understand your own path and your own story and to see how it might be similar in some ways and, and different in, in some ways for, from their paths. Thank you for that, uh, Devin, your words. Too kind. And Matt, of course, Dave there. You know, out of the gates, I, I feel moved just to pronounce that there are perhaps men right now feeling like they've been marginalized, that they're on the sidelines, and that perhaps your guests are somehow superstars on these stage who possess something, you know, uh, you know, superhero strength and power that they don't possess. So I distinguish that because, you know, we all possess a superhero power, but we have to avail to Christ. And just, you know, Devin, your kind words of saying, I might say trying to live it out. And just for men, again, on the sidelines, just want to say to you, whatever struggles or circumstances you're facing at age 55, I just want to punctuate that the Messiah is in the mess. That if you're experiencing um, being beleaguered or struggling or languishing or having fallen uh, in any way in this very moment just want to encourage you to know that the god is absolutely in that and i'm saying that as a way to set up maybe just a very brief description of my background but i do have to say this god fashioned us of poverty so that he could be our provision god fashioned our poverty allows our radical need for him dependency upon him physical emotional spiritual everything so that we'll turn to him. And so if there's anything, if you know the radio cut out all of a sudden right now, I think the message for this day, this critical moment, the appointed time that he's calling all of us who've fallen in any way is to go vertical. I think it's the theme. Uh, you see it re repeating in this series I'm doing with men on C.S. Lewis, repeatedly all the letters from Wormwood to screw, screw Tape to Wormwood. You see it um, in the great series, The Chosen. You see it in these great deep rich works of our Catholic faith, go vertical. Let's not just talk about them, but Lord Jesus, flood us with your Holy Spirit. Awaken us to who we are in you that we'll repent deeply, turn from all those things that are less and exchange them for the greater. So that theme, that is the thesis. I didn't create it, I didn't invent it. And all of life is really about simply recognizing it and coming to it. I might say that Cecil B. DeMille, we really can't break 
the, the moral law. We can only break ourselves against it. All of life we're discovering. That I'll say that again, because from my earliest years growing up in a family of seven in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, Packer fan, all of that, whatever decisions that I made in my life, each one really only brought me to a greater awareness that I can't really break the moral law, the Ten Commandments. I can't break them. I can only be broken against them. So going back to that Wisconsin experience, awesome parents, Bernie and Judy Schleter, my beloved parents who forged us really in our Catholic faith to know this unique thing of relationship at the heart of ritual relationship at the heart of religion you know we catholics we get religion you know quite well but we've lost perhaps what was so rich in our earliest faith and throughout the the best of catholicism throughout the centuries is this rich sense of encounter with christ who is present who's active who's alive who's designated for us for himself and oh by the way that does mean seasons of gethsemane seasons of darkness that allow us to have to give him the even greater gift so we did that weird thing as catholics it seemed only baptists or evangelicals up the street did is my dad would often lead us in prayer from the heart. You know, we have this richness of, uh, of, of learned prayers, right? Certainly the mass, the source and summit. My dad would very frequently bring us together and really focus us on an intentional connection. Like we mindful, even in just how often have we prayed the Our Father mindful of what we're praying, the Lord's prayer and the power contained in that. So uh, I would say, so this family of seven children, six boys and a girl, I was the second oldest growing up, um, obviously very rooted in a Catholic faith, uh, not quite a culture fuel of that relational dynamism fully lived out, but my parents, I would say, are at the top of it, uh, of fostering that. Second grade, not going to go in the details, it would take a number of sessions, but um, uh you know, accepted Christ in second grade. I stole a dartboard. I, I had these, my parents had been given, we'd been given this gift from my grandparents, each of us kids, these $2 bills that were stamped, they're special. I was in the store one day, second grade, looked at this awesome, really cool dartboard, right? And I, all those stages of seduction, right? All those stages of visualizing, gosh, I want that dartboard, right? Um, and, and knowing and finding this stash of these special $2 bills that were in a corner cabinet to um, taking them, uh, walking to the store, Back in those days, we had a lot of freedom to do that, you know, getting the dartboard, purchasing it, and then, you know, getting discovered, if you will, and the deep sense of anguish of having, you know, given away something that was, that I could never recover. You know, there's a really, in the age, uh, the heart of a, of a second grader, it was an awareness of, you know, I can't do anything about this, Jesus, I need you. So Christ, for me, became very real at that point, and I kind of vowed as best as I could in second grade to live for him. The rest of the journey, I would say, is punctuated um, through our uh, adolescent years, uh, our family of boys, what was happening in the culture, the emergence of, you know, your MTV kind of, uh, if you will, ideology, religion, if you will, appealing to our, you know, lower desires and seeing our culture kind of, our peers, friends, the drinking, the sexuality, all of that um, was much more liberal than maybe 20, 30 years earlier. So it really kind of came like a storm. And I'll say it struck many of our parents uh, and without an ability to deal with it because our parents really kind of inherited a generation of the Watts of faith. They knew the Watts. They knew the catechism. The best of them knew it well, but they didn't necessarily know the whys. And then the third degree deeper is to live it in a cultural way. And that's what I think we're at right now. Anyways, I'd say, so as my, uh, an older brother, 
began to drink and get to sucked, in, sucked into that culture in high school. The younger brothers, again, I'm the second oldest, began to kind of follow in his steps. And I began to see how my family, as well as peers, if you will, began to experience that you can't break the moral law. You can only break yourself against it. And so very in a very real way, I kind of came to really encounter Jesus Christ, his design of the universe, his law, his nature, via negativa, <clears throat> by the negative way. I saw the brokenness that many of them experienced by making those choices. And uh, essentially through high school then, um, really wanting to be a leader in the faith side, certainly involved uh, in sports and um, as drama, uh, head of musicals and plays and you know, class president, all of that. There were kind of two things that were going on there that I think are relevant to my story. One is, Certainly, I wanted to give God worship with the gifts he gave me, but I'll say there was a sense of maybe also deriving my value in terms of these things, deriving my value in terms of what I was, quote unquote, accomplishing. <clears throat> that kind of came to a head uh, in a dorm room at Miami of Ohio, where I just one night um, just felt kind of confronted, whether it was, you know, the enemy uh, or the lies that or my conscience and, and decisions that I had made, um, just becoming mindful of the lies that my value is derived from what I do. And uh, and looking at all these accomplishments maybe I had as a sophomore in college and just seeing that they're chaff, they're meaningless, they're nothing. So that was another fundamental point of conversion of, of just experiencing a dark night, a very deep dark night, and uh, really kind of coming again to surrender. There's nothing, and men, I say this to you, there is nothing. There is nothing you can say. There's nothing you can do. There's no uh, height of prestige or power or accomplishment that surpasses who God made us to be, who he made you to be in himself. So that theme came through very powerfully in this weekend that continued to quite frankly haunt me, but it, it kind of tore away my scaffolding, right? It's, it tore away my Tower of Babel that I'd maybe built up trying to negotiate this sort of faith life with, yeah, but I'm going to build this. And, and I'm going to be honest with you. I still struggle with that lie. At least I know it's a lie, but I still struggle with it. It was enough, if you will, to guide me through college into being very committed to um, not just political. I was young youngest lobbyist in Capitol Hill, Washington, D.C., worked for George Bush Sr., very much about uh, the pro-life movement and seeing the restoration of life, if you will, in our country, and uh, thinking law school is going to be the path. And while literally taking my LSAT my senior year, there was a bit of an epiphany and uh, just almost hearing the voice of God say, I've got a different path for you. Um, and and in, in essence, it was this. I want you to trust in me because deeper than the laws of this land, deeper than the physical realities that are around us. There's nothing that surpasses um, around you that I want to do within you. The most significant thing God wants to do to change the world is what he wants to do within us, a transformation of hearts and minds. And I didn't quite know what that meant, but I see that those seeds that he planted at that moment would carry me uh, through college into working for Human Life International, being a seminarian uh, at Mount St. Mary's, living with Father Benedict Rochelle for a year as my spiritual director, very profound, a number of great people, uh, Steubenville, um, working their Light and Life Foundation before Marcus Grodi, a number of phenomenal 
occasions to really experience the spirit moving through me, a very powerful experience in Medjugorje, um, duly noting and availing to the church's teaching with that. I just had a deepening experience of our Blessed Mother and uh, her loving arms surrounding us. And, the, and I will say the private revelations that, that really we ought to pay attention to, Akita maybe, Garabandal, um, there are messages here that it, to men in particular, kind of saying, here's public revelation, pay attention. Now is the appointed time. Wow. You know, don't wait another moment. Um, and I'll get, I'll, I will uh, give myself a breath of air because I'm sure you want to cut in. And But anyways, that, that, that's been my journey up till um, out of seminary, meeting my wife, um, leading this, uh, you might say, a net ministries meets theology of the body movement traveling around the country uh doing these retreats seeing profound conversion within the catholic faith and i just might say this um attention that catholics i think institutionally are experiencing and that is what that's living what we profess Put that simply, we profess this fullness, this encounter with Christ, this power of the Holy Spirit, that, you know, the deaf shall hear, the blind shall see, uh, the lame will walk. I've experienced that through prayers that we have within our family, praying with, for, and over, and others. We've experienced the power of God alive with us, flowing from the Eucharist. And I think um, this is a moment maybe where, you know, we can no longer maybe sit on the sidelines, all of us as a church, but how do we attune our hearts more fully to what God is wanting to pour forth uh, in this day and age for the purpose of what? Not just fascination, but he always had the miracles that deepen our hearts, turn to him, call upon him as Lord, and the ultimate healing is eternity with him forever. Mm -hmm. Well, gosh, um, there's so much that could be said. Listeners that have maybe just come in um, during our program, this is Iron Sharpens Iron. It's a program by Catholic men for Catholic men. My name is Matt Palmer with Catholic Men's Ministry in the Diocese of Columbus. I'm joined by my co-host, Devin Shad, Fathers of St. Joseph. And we're so grateful to St. Gabriel Radio here in, in Ohio for uh, mm-hmm. producing and hosting this show. And Dave Orsborn, uh, operations manager here at the station, is with me in the studio. So thank you so much, Dave. Devin, let's uh, let's give Greg a little pause. And, um, you know, there's so much we could think about here. It's, it's a fire hydrant. But... Um, I can, I think I'm struck by, <laughs> I think I'm struck by, you know, by the, the, by what God is doing in Greg's life and that that same work is a work he wants to do in all of our lives, that we are made for greatness. And, uh, that's, that's, a, that's something you focus your life and ministry on Devin, but maybe help men relate to the journey that, that, um, Greg has been on and, and, but to the same opportunity, the same calling, although it will look different, that all men are called to. Yeah. Well, I think knowing Greg for many years now, but but listening to him right now, which is overwhelming almost, listening <laughs> to his life and the experience he has <laughs> is fantastic. We could take just one of those and have like a 10, you know, part series, you know, but I think the big thing that I, I recognize in Greg, in your, in what you're saying is this motives matter. And, um, Greg is a man whose heart, you, you desire what God desires. You want to do what God has called you to do. And, and you truly live that out. And, and with you, there is this battle, like you were saying, Matt, that he has this incredible call for greatness. But sometimes that motivation for greatness can be about us and rather than God, you know, mm-hmm. and or we can shift that a little bit. And so it's like the sun, the, the, the moon reflects the sun 
especially into the darkness of the night. And that's a symbol of humanity and God's relationship. We can be that moon that reflects the light of God into humanity in the darkness of this, you know, this world, this valley of tears. But when the moon gets in the path of the sun, it eclipses it. It blocks it out. And, and in a sense, look at me, look at me. And I think that someone as talented as you, Greg, this is like a massive, massive cross that you carry in that you're constantly working to strive to glorify God and to know that in the end, God will glorify you, but you're not trying to glorify yourself. And I, that's where I would love to focus all this because, I, Greg, you and I, we know your dad, or at least I know your dad through you and the stories. Um, but I mean, like that when you were caught second grade with that feeling that $2 bill, I'd love to know his reaction. I would love to know a little bit about that career. Remember his career and, and that Christmas mm. Eve with all of you guys. The, I think these are powerful influencers in who you are now, especially with your children and your wife and like how you're living. But anyway, I just think that Greg, you are a man who seeks to be known by God rather than be noticed by men. But I, I find it an incredible tension. Mm-hmm. And Greg, as we um, will come back to you and get a response, and then we, I want to move us into the ministry and what you're seeing in the culture and how your ministry is is pushing back against that and advancing the kingdom. But I, I think for many men, I'll speak for myself, when I'm, when I'm with a man like you, Greg, or you, Devin, I think for a lot of us, it can be, um, we can think that we're not, that we're just not doing what God's calling us to be, that maybe we're supposed to be um, out front, visible, have a platform that's large and maybe even national in scope. And yet I think the greatness that we all are really talking about is, is a, can be a very hidden and private, um, life of, of, of devotion to our Lord and of serving our family as, as, uh, husbands and as fathers and that we glorify God. And we have this, we have in many cases, a, a, a an impact on the kingdom that will never know its depth, scope, breadth, um, because our, God has called us to perhaps a more, um, a more hidden or private ministry. And we've only got about six more minutes left, but I want to, I want to get your response, um, to what Devin has shared, Greg, and then we'll, we'll transition for a few minutes and talk about your ministry. Greg? Yeah, um, I think you're absolutely right. I think we can measure ourselves by externals. And it's going to be a tension between kind of two uh, prominent uh, revelations. One is that beast, uh, unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. Psalm 127, I'd say that has been very definitive and instructive for me to um, really pray, Lord, let me not restrain me from any of my steps, even if they seem good, even if they seem of God. You know, I think of a great story of Father Michael Scanlon early on. It was told that after he was blessed to lead this tremendous revival at, at Franciscan University of Steubenville and had people in place, you know, it was said that he would spend three, four hours in the morning and not do anything until God revealed the step he was meant to take in terms of actions. I found that kind of remarkable and instructive. Now, practically, which of us can do that? There's practical daily things we need to attend to, but it struck me as, you know, am I really bringing before God, you know, the significant decisions to chisel my life? Am I anchored? Is it flowing out of intimacy with him? 
that's it. Is it flowing out of a, <clears throat> a commitment to prayer, adoration, being forged by the divine office? I mean, how many men are missing the occasion of those streams of living water by not taking that moment of prayer every morning, more than a moment? Many, many men have not yet cultivated the thesis statement of their day of an early morning encounter time with God, and more than just reading through readings, but being still and knowing that he's God. And on the other end, it's sort of that Dietrich Bonhoeffer, which I think speaks to many men, of course, the great crusader during uh, Nazi Germany, a Lutheran theologian, you know, silence in the face of evil is itself evil. God will not hold us guiltless. So there's this other, you know, sense that men also need to be attuned to, you know, the realities of the evil that surround us institutionally, transgenderism, all these things um, that tap the heart of the Father through us to address them in loving ways have occurred because good men have done nothing. And so how those two work out, I think, is a conversation we men need to have with an availing again at each moment to how God may call us to be heroic. And there, and I just think in general, I think the manly bar is is perhaps on the low side. I think the world is tripping over the low bar set by the church right now, the institutional yeah. example. Um, and, you know, and I, I want to, with, with you, with you brothers and with other brothers, create a culture where there's loving vigilance, both of those words important, you know, so flowing from this intimacy with God, yes, but it's, it's, it takes on flesh and blood in a socio-cultural economic world where the kingdom is claimed. Like that's an awakening that we Catholics need to cultivate, I think, maturity and engaging the world with the heart of the father in every capacity, which makes, if you will, the mission fields, not just on a radio like this, station like this, which is awesome, but it moves hopefully in us and through us to the areas of finance, like you, Matt, or if somebody's a janitor or lawyer or doctor or whatever they may be, that's the designated mission field. And we need to come before God and ask him, how are you calling me to claim these people around me for the kingdom. Mm. You know, I think um, the Holy Spirit's leading us to maybe have you back to focus more on your ministry, but I want to stay and invite Devin's response to kind of where we are right now. We've got about two minutes, and uh, I think, Devin, you'd be a, a wonderful um, uh, person right now to kind of help us put sort of a wrap on this. I love where Greg has led us, that you know, first of all, it's intimacy and time with our Lord. And that's part of your ministry, Devin, is to encourage and help men with that. But then it's second, you know, um, allowing that time for God to speak and then obeying what we're hearing in that time with him. Devin, some thoughts and reflections on that? Yeah, I mean, it's exactly right. We can't give what we don't have, and we cannot give God if we don't have God. And the only way we really can have God is by spending time with God. So I, I really love the fact that, you know, Bonhoeffer, that, that's a great quote, you know, silence in the face of evil is itself evil, and that's Adam in the garden. And that is what we have today in the church. And so where are we going to derive the power to be able to overcome that intimidation because that's precisely what it is the devil is intimidating us and shaming us as men so that we do not step up in the name of christ for what is true and beautiful and good right so i i, I love that also you know good men you know the, why does evil thrive because good men do nothing and the you're right the bar is set extremely low and i think we have to recognize like you were saying that it is the regular guy i'm a regular guy I'm not a scholar or anything like that. I think it's the regular guy, the little silent hidden guy, who if he avails himself to time with God every day before the sun rises, the sun will rise in his heart 
and it will shine brightly to the world around him, of which he has no shame. So I think that this is the place to start is every day, get up before the dawn, just like Jesus did in Mark chapter one, rises before the dawn, he goes to the wilderness place, and he calls out to his father. Those are the three steps. Amen. That's simple. Rise Amen. before the dawn, go out to your wilderness place, and call out to the father. We're going to put it right there. Um, we've reached our time limit. And uh, brothers, I'm so blessed. Uh, Greg, thank you for coming on to the show. Devin, as always, thank you for co-hosting. And St. Gabriel Radio, God bless you. Men, live your greatness.